It's off to Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God. God! It's a diving catch from Panthers. Touchdown. Be a dog. Tyreek Burkins takes the right corner three. That's off. CJ Hunter with the pump. Oh! And he puts it in at the buzzer. Oh! In the it's caught by Christian Horn. He's got a round outside. And it's scored. He's scored. And they win. Holy mother me. Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Welcome to another Thursday edition of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I am your host, Lucas Warren, and I am joined by David Katzemeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and back for another semester, first time on air this semester, I believe, Riley Carlson. How, how are we doing, guys? You know, I'm doing great because it is 6.02, and there's college football on in an hour. In an hour? What's hour? Is it, is it 7 or 8? 7 or 8 we get well, started. Well, the good game is the 8. Good, the good game's at 8, yeah. We got games at 7, though. You can't complain. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. got college football back for the entire weekend. We got Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I couldn't be—I mean, this is Christmas. This is literally Christmas. It's better than Christmas. We're really looking forward to this Saturday at Gardner. Well, it's going to be a lecture from Kid Brewer Stadium. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be back. Um, I think it's kind of a surreal experience with Lucas, you know, manning the board over here, being the uh, the top head guy of sports rap, and me being right next to him. Lucas, you know, obviously we started together yeah. freshman year, so yeah. I think it's pretty cool coming back and everything, and uh, I'm excited for uh, sports rap this year, guys. Yeah, I'm excited for sports rap, and I'm excited for this group specifically, because last year... Uh, Jeff Marson, the last sports director, hosted our Pickums episodes, and we were all—he was always joined by David Riley and me. So I decided to continue the legacy as host this semester. I'm bringing back David and Riley, but we're going to add a new face in Ryan. So I'm excited. We're going to pick about ten games, give or take, each week. We're going to keep a running score of these games, so we'll know who's the best at picking college football games by the end of the semester. Did we have we had a three way tie last year? Isn't that correct? Or I two? won. You won. I won. Oh, Don't David won. Yeah, I won by a game. David's got the okay. receipts. Yeah. I won by a game. I've got my Holy Mother Meatballs shirt, which was my victory That's, or my oh, trophy. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to decide what the what the reward is. Hey, that, ti- that title means a lot to me. Oh, I know. That title hey, means a lot. Do you, do you have a plaque though? Because I, I, I have a plaque. You're right. There. I don't. But I don't think uh, I don't maybe, think it was in the budget last year. Maybe uh, maybe <laughs> Jeff I'll get gave a... me a free shirt from the backside of his closet that he didn't know he had laying <laughs> yeah. around. I'll have to ask Cody <laughs> see where see where Cody got that plaque from when I when I won the game show for the morning app. And maybe we'll. I don't think it'll be you. I think it'll be the guy hosting. Who I, the I most, think I think we should get a big old trophy so I can put my name on there twice. Big old, maybe yeah, like a fantasy trophy. What's up, Riley? I just want to say um, as well before we start and everything. In wake of my absence last week, 
the Carolina Panthers disrespect <laughs> was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. We were like, I was because David texted me. He's like, "Do you want me to add any questions to the rundown?" And I was like, "If we have time, we'll just talk about the Panthers. Like, y'all can leave, and me and Riley can just go first take style and just go back and forth." We better run through these pickums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right mind. into those pickums, but uh, before we do, we got to touch on all App State athletics in the Mountaineer minute. Kicking us off, the App State men's and women's cross-country team are set to open the 2023 campaign with the Fire Tower Project Run on September 1st at the Don Kennedy Trails at State Farm in Boone. The women's 5K race will start at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. with the men's 8K race following at 4.45 p.m. Friday's field of competition will include Alabama Huntsville, App State, Belmont Abbey, Florida State, Georgia Southern, Lees McRae, Lincoln Memorial, Mercer, Mulligan, and Scad Savannah. The App State volleyball team is headed to Greenville, North Carolina for the ECU tournament on Friday and Saturday. The Mountaineers will take on Bethun Cookman at 11 a.m. on Friday before returning to the court at 4 p.m. to take on Campbell. App State will close out the tournament with a clash against East Carolina at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Saturday's match will be available to stream on ESPN+. App State freshman midfielder, middle, midfielder Sophia Baxter was named MAC Conference Offensive Player of the Week following this weekend's wins against Towson and Georgetown. Baxter and the rest of Mountaineer squad will return home to Brandon and Erica M. Adoc Field to face off the Drexler Dragons in their first home game on Friday, September 1st. First Touch is slated for 7 p.m. and can be streamed on Twitch, YouTube, or our Facebook page. And we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Raysweather.com is based in Boone and forecasts the weather in the high country and from the North Carolina-Virginia state line to Waynesville, North Carolina. The mountains, the foothills, and the microclimates in between with specific websites for each area, including booneweather.com with radar and webcams of the area. Winter, spring, summer, fall, raysweather.com. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. App State's New River Light and Power Green Power Program brings clean, climate-friendly energy to the high country. Renewable sources of energy replace carbon-based electric use, lowering our carbon footprint and helping protect the environment. The power is yours. Learn more about the Green Power Program today at nrlp.appstate.edu. NRLP is one of more than 70 public power utilities in North Carolina that collectively serve nearly 1.3 million customers. Public Power Week is October 2nd through the 8th, 2022. Appalachian State University's NRLP is proud to be your public power provider. Damn, we gotta go with something to eat, man. You know I mean? Hey, yo, man. Damn, what's taking home so long, son? Calm down. Come Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, Attorneys at Law. So we are ready for college 
football pickums. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. This like of all the, I love this station. I love calling games, but this segment in particular, I've been I've been waiting for. I've I, I, I treasured those Thursdays with me, you, Jeff, and David, just just throwing out takes. Riley's known for throwing out some crazy takes, uh, but. He's it shaking happens. his head. <laughs> he it happens way. sometimes. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, but you go home happy nonetheless. What I love about last year too is I think I was up 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 uh, high on the standings early. You know, the system was working out for me. Oh, I made the some, system. I made some, <laughs> oh, the system. I made some adjustments system. to the system this year, oh, so I won't have the trail off like I did last oh, year. I remember uh, that. You made yeah, some adjustments to the system. Yeah, you know, I had to make it. Had so to, had can, to work can we finally learn no, at, anything about the system? I can't tell you about the system. At least last year's, because it, obviously the train fell off the tracks and you finished it last. Yeah, I, well, there's too much... I'll, I'll tell you that at least the system is a grouping of different stats, and you take those stats into consideration, and you put them up against both teams, and whichever stats beat the other stats, and there's some variables involved, that's how I make my picks. You ever I'm seen not going to mo- give any details. You ever seen Moneyball 2? You haven't, but it's being made it's, right yeah. now. It doesn't <laughs> you. You know, I, I won last year, and half of my picks were me flipping a coin live on the show. So That's a system, technically. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, but uh, we're, we'll pick t- I have 10 games slated. Uh, just real quick, just talking about college football, thrilled it's back. Kind of a light opening week for college football compared to other years. We usually get that marquee, at least that marquee Saturday matchup. This year, the marquee matchup is on a Sunday with uh, number eight or nine, Florida State traveling to is it who's hosting that game? I think uh, Florida it's, State. It's at New. Or- it's in New Orleans. It's, oh, it's, uh, so it's at a neutral okay, site. Neutral site, yeah. But LSU, they'll probably have more. Fans. That's not. Yeah, that's not neutral. <laughs> that's, I mean, <laughs> you, yeah, neutral site, LSU, NFL yeah. stadium. It's I mean. not or, in Death Valley. Really. Yeah, no, like not in Death Valley. Seventy percent LSU, maybe thirty Florida yeah, State. We'll up see there. how the Seminoles show out for that one. But yeah, we uh. We, the football is starting tonight, and we're going to look at the marquee matchup of tonight, a rematch from a really fun opening game last year. Uh, number 14, Utah, without starting quarterback Cam Rising and Brand Cooth. Brandon Cooth. Brant Cooth? I think it's Brandon, right? Or is it Brant? Tight end? It's Brant. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Brant Cooth. He decided. And then they are hosting the Florida Gators. So it's last Brandt. year, yes. it's Brant. Yeah. Last year, the Gators uh, hosted the Utes, and they they knocked off a team that wanted to go to the playoffs. Big game for them. Uh, Richardson made some really tantalizing plays, kind of set the set the stage for you know how he kind of got drafted and everything. That, I feel like ninety percent of clips I've seen is from that game for him. Yes. Uh, so rematch of this game. If Utah comes in ranked, they're going into Salt Lake City. Second year, Billy Napier, David. Who do you got in this one? I got this game wrong last year, and I specifically remember it because I was sitting there watching and I had my heart broken when Utah lost that game towards the end, the kind of crumbling and falling apart and watching Anthony Richardson really dice up a Utah defense that we didn't see for the rest of the year after that point. So, you know, I'm sticking with my gut here, and, uh, you know, hold on. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down before I give my okay. pick. I, I thought we were about to see an audible. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump to the gun real quick. But there's two big storylines that I want to watch today, and you know the QB battle became a little bit more of a, or not just a little bit. It became the headliner right now as Cam Rising wasn't 100 percent coming into today. He suffered an injury in last year's Rose Bowl, and quote earlier this week he said, "I'm feeling pretty blank good right now." Can't uh, say what he said in the interview, but. 
you know, he said he was feeling good. Kyle Whittingham said on Monday that the walk-on Nate Johnson is going to play no matter what, even if Cam Rising was healthy. So now we're going to get to see Nate Johnson in that super explosive speed that he possesses out of the backfield. Although those injuries to Utah, it's it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. You have two of your best offensive playmakers that aren't going to be there. Looking over at Florida's side, it'll be interesting to see how Graham Mertz transferred in from Wisconsin this offseason and how he performs in an SEC system and if he can keep up with the high scoring of Utah. But, you know, now we don't really know what the offense is going to look like out of them. Billy Napier said that he was really impressed with Mertz in fall camp and his ability to learn the system. The front, fly, the front five for Florida is my biggest red flag for them. They lost four of their five starters on that offensive line, so they better hope that those young guys can mesh pretty well. I'm still sticking with Utah on this one. I still think that the Utes have the talent and the capability, even with a backup quarterback at the helm, to get this win over Florida. And it comes down to one thing, and it ha- we talked about it a ton last year. The game's in Salt Lake City. The Utes do not lose Different team in, in Salt, Salt Lake, Lake City. City. So... Just saying, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Utah here. I know they're a five point favorite. That's gonna go down now that Cam Rising is out. But I'm sticking with my gut here with Utah. You know, Utah last year, as you said, really thought they were playoff contenders coming into the year. And I know just all offseason they were thinking about getting back at Florida, winning this first game. The bad news is they're not going to because Florida's going to win this game. I don't care if Utah's at home. I understand Utah's much better home. I just don't think without Cam Riley they're going to be able to win this game because Cam Riley's just like the guy who can completely just control the Utah offense. I understand Nate Johnson has a lot of talent, but he's still raw right now. He's no Cam Riley who's been in that system for forever and just been able to completely control the offense. And I think I'm wondering to see how much is Cam Mertz struggles, was it him or was it Wisconsin and just that bad offense last year? So I think that it's going to shock a lot of people, but I think once again Florida's going to go one and zero to start the year and knock off Utah again. Yeah, uh, I can't say the same with that one. <laughs> um, obviously, last year we got Florida winning twenty nine to twenty six. Anthony Richards had, Richardson had two hundred seventy two yards and three touchdowns, all three coming on the ground with no turnovers. That's the key. He was virtually perfect in this game, seventeen of twenty four, just to give you a sense of what kind of impact Anthony Richardson had on that game. Obviously, Florida, no Richardson this year. I have to go with Utah, even in Rising's absence. And Kuth is going to be good as well, so missing him is going to be tough. He played well even though he was a backup to Kincaid last year. Um, but I think Utah, in spite of that, you were saying, you know, different team in Salt Lake City, I think Utah gets the win. Yeah, I think when you look at this Utah team, just on paper, you're like, oh, they're literally missing their top two offensive players. Kuth is, like, that's a team that tight end is their main weapon point outside of the quarterback, and last year it was Kincaid, and now it's going to be Kuth, and they continue to produce those guys. And Rising is everything for that team. I mean, he's a guy who can get it down, get it done on the ground and then through the air as well. If this game is week six, I'm probably picking the Gators because, you know, you have to prepare. Now the guy who you form your offense around isn't there. But this is one of the best coaching staffs in college football. Utah has been a winning program for about 15 years now. And Whittingham had all offseason knowing that Cam Rising was injured. He probably prepared for this game for months with Nate Johnson as QB1. I think they, Florida Gators come into town and I think they are completely shell-shocked with the preparation of this Utah team. I think defensively, Graham Mertz is not going to be able to score on the Utes. Uh, I have no faith in Graham Mertz. He was 
terrible in Wisconsin. I think he's a terrible quarterback at this level. A guy who comes in and he's bragging. I, I remember I was watching an E60 before a Wisconsin game. This guy and had a 60? terrible first game. Right. Yeah, and no, he was talking about all the NIL money he's making oh, and was uh, just like, oh, you know, you really got to prove it on the field, but you love ma- you love this stuff. I like talking about the NIL money. And Amen. from that moment on, I saw him go about, I think it was seven, I think he completed seven passes in that game after talking about how much NIL money he made, and Wisconsin got embarrassed by Penn State in that game, uh, just going back, but yeah, I, I think Graham Mertz is a terrible quarterback, and I think the Utes get this one done in Utah, great coaching staff, they know what they're doing, and also, I don't think Billy Napier is that good of a coach. Wow. Uh, you know, no a, backing for Sunbelt Billy? Nah, none. And we, we saw how good he was at Louisiana. Also, just, I love, you brought it up, David, him saying he loves uh, how Graham Mertz has been playing in camp and picking up the playbook. I hate when coaches come out and say that. <laughs> like, what are you, you going to say? You're going to say, he, actually, he's really dumb. He can't figure this stuff out. Yeah. He's been looking terrible <laughs> in can't. practice. Like, I don't like the guy. I like, can't believe it, you're faulting Graham Mertz for having his mind on the money, man. Come on. <laughs> It's it's just funny because like the quote from the article is just it is like word for word like the most basic thing you can possibly say. It's not about any specific attributes. No. It's not about, you know, where he's performing well or where he's been improving. It's just yeah, he's reading the playbook really good. <laughs> yeah, no, that honestly, that's more of a red flag. It's like, oh, this guy might not be doing too good if it's like a super PR response that the coach just produced about their starting quarterback. But there's nothing, yeah, there's no type of, like, there's nothing else you can say on the guy other than he's reading the yeah. playbook well. Yeah. Like, I can read a playbook well. He's been looking good. Time. He's learning. Yeah, he's picking up the playbook really quickly. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> So the guy can read and study. I'd, I'd really <laughs> hope he can. Like yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see, but... I'm just leaning Utah on this. I'm going to go experience. I think you know Napier in year two. I honestly don't know. He might he might be getting that franchise in the right or that program in the right direction. But I just think it's a tall task to go into Salt Lake City week one and beat a very disciplined Utah team. If you look at a Mertz, it's Mertz, right? This yeah. is his last name. If you look at Mertz's like highlights, I was watching it before before this to just see what he was like, you know, and he's like. He just he stands in the pocket and he looks like he's like ready to get killed. Like he looks oh. like a duck, dude. He's one of those he's one of those quarterbacks that just like you can see while he's going through his reads, it's just panic. Like, yeah, he's scared. He the goes whole from time. one, two, three, and he's like, Oh, no one's open, and then he gets the happy feet and then it's he it's freaks out, dude. It's at SHIT throw after that. But uh <laughs> moving on, this this is kind of where we're getting into the less uh competitive games of the week. We have a big slate of them where it's highly ranked team versus not so highly ranked team, but Kind of interesting because one of these teams just statistically is probably going to lose one of these games, one of these ranked teams to an unranked team. So the first one on the list, number two, Michigan, hosting the in-state East Carolina Pirates. Who do you got? You know, Jim Harbaugh or not, this is an easy victory for Michigan. And I'm, I'm going to hold my tongue past this point, but the fact that Jim Harbaugh only got suspended three or four games for whatever Considering their opponents is, you know, I I think it's blasphemous. He could have taken but, the games off either way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he could he could have been out in in the Caribbeans doing absolutely nothing, and this Michigan team would still win seventy to nothing against the first four opponents. But you know, ECU put on a show last year in their opener. They almost played spoiler to NC State in a twenty to twenty one loss. I don't think they've got it in them this year. This Wolverine team outmatches the Pirates and. Feels like almost every single department. They're favored by 36. I feel like they're going to hit a number close to that. I don't know if they'll hit that number, but 
I think they're going to hit a number pretty close, and fortunately for ECU, I don't think they're going to have some fireworks like they did last year to open the season. Yeah, I agree. This is an easy one for Michigan, and I'm going to take a quick second. Jim Harbaugh shouldn't have been suspended. <laughs> no, he shouldn't have. He bought a recruitment Whoa. burger from yeah, like it was he brought him like a burger from Burger King. So you just can't you can't give a you can't give one of your recruits a burger these days. That's just no. That's nope. get you ousted from the sport. But that's he was just point. sharing a four for four. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that burger also had fifteen thousand dollars in the in the bag. <laughs> no, it did. The burger five bucks. There were maybe. no napkins in yeah, there. There were no five napkins. Bucks maybe on the burger. But anyway, back to the point. Yeah, Michigan. This team just matches up way too well against ECU, and you don't even have to look further than the O line. The O line is just going to shove around ECU all game up front and make it easy for a returning Blake Corn, which I think we've glossed over a lot so far that Blake Corn's coming back. Most who, overrated player in the country. Come on now. But, yeah, even even if it's going to be Donovan Edwards, the backup, I think just either way, they're going to be able to just run all over ECU. J.J. McCarthy, he could take the day off, and Michigan will still probably win by 30. So give me the Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, can we talk about the year Michigan had last year? I mean, Michigan had a wonderful year. May ended up going to the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I know this year they're coming – with vengeance and trying to, you know, win that championship instead of just make it to the playoffs. But with that being said, East Carolina was playing their best football come the end of the year last year. They beat Coastal in the bowl game 53-29. to Are we going to get one? <laughs> were down by two against Cincinnati, lost by two, right? They beat BYU. They beat UCF by 21. And it's almost like that's the last five games for them. So it's like... You're playing your best football late in the season. You come in, you're like, you know you have Michigan. Shoot, I'm going to come out guns ablaze, and I bet Michigan's thinking, oh, we're going to walk over this team. I got ECU winning this game there it is. against Ooh. Michigan because there's always one. There's always it. one upset, and <laughs> it's something. It's like college. Like, I can see it now, headlines, like on ESPN, college football's back. You know what I'm saying? And, like, <laughs> you know, there's always one big upset. I think this is the year. Because who cares about AP rankings in the beginning of the year? Number two, Michigan, who cares? You know, there was this funny little team in the late 2000s that went into the big house and beat a Michigan Wolverines team that was <laughs> primed for one of, if not the best year that they've had in a long, long time. There you go. So, I wonder who. There you go. I mean, and what was Texas A&M ranked when we beat them? Uh, six. 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 Six? Come on. It's the beginning of the year. Texas A&M ended up being an awful team last year compared to what Still they should be. have been. So. And this year. I love the I love the pick. You just you, you always find a way to at least make it seem semi realistic. But yeah, I don't know about this one. <laughs> Michigan is pretty good, uh, and ECU lost their two best players on the offensive end last year. Uh, biggest one being Keaton Mitchell. Uh, he, he's no longer there, and he he was quite the difference maker. Uh, they don't have Aller anymore at quarterback. Uh, I believe it's Garcia now, Mason yeah, Garcia. Yeah, Mason Garcia slightly yeah. So he'll be, uh, it's going to be a new look for them, and your first game is in the big house. It's usually not where you want to start things. So I'm expecting a complete uh, whooping going on in uh, Ann Arbor on Saturday. But what I'd like to watch out for is how is Michigan whooping the Pirates? Mm-hmm. Are they whooping them on the ground? Is it just straight Blake Corum and who all – I'm not saying Blake Corman is bad, but what's the backup's name again? I forgot his name. Uh, I think Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards. He had the exact same yards per carry. In it's the offensive line. It's not. Blake and Corum. he was playing with. I don't know if it was sprained or a broken wrist last year, but he had that big old glove on. Yeah. The, when he just, just did, when he exploded against Ohio State. Blake Corman's fine, but when he was getting like 
Heisman buzz last year. I was like, dude, he's not. Like, give it to the offensive line before you can do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just. So is Michigan going to come in and in Ann Arbor just run all over the Pirates? I mean, they can do that, and they are able to do that. But are, or are they going to let JJ McCarthy air it out? Because even though JJ McCarthy showed up in that Ohio State game. As a college football fan, that game felt like a fluke. It felt like Ohio State mm-hmm. should have won that game. And then you get to the playoffs, and J.J. McCarthy, even though he played good at times, two crucial interceptions that game. J.J. McCarthy's not a good quarterback. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy is not a good quarterback. I don't know. Period. I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm, done, I'm done trying to, trying to dance around this. J.J. McCarthy is not a good quarterback. Be, I don't know. Because there's JJ times McCarthy, he looks pretty good, and then there's times they don't let him do anything. I bet David's going to say J.J. McCarthy's not a good quarterback. J.J. <laughs> McCarthy has a fantastic offensive line that is able to block out into the flats. That is the only thing that they ever do when they run screen plays, and that is the only thing they did against Ohio but State. The only thing I'd say in, in defense of J.J. McCarthy is they don't allow him to do anything. That He's told to just hand the ball off and throw screens all game, and then in the two games a year, they're actually playing decent competition. They're like, alright, now you can air it out. And he's like, oh, we, we can do this? Like, this is a thing that we do at Michigan? And he's just like, like, and he's done pretty good when he's asked to air it out. So, I just want them to kind of Start doing that early in the year. Make that a regular part of your offense. So then you can still beat the crap out of these bad teams that you play. But then when you go against Ohio State or Penn State or when you're in the playoffs, you're ready to play those shootout-type games where you have to air it out and throw for 300 yards. So I'm, inter- I'm intrigued to see how they win this game. But I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure that Michigan's going to win this one. Uh, but now moving on to our third game, the 12th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Off a very, very fun year for volunteer fans. They beat Alabama. It doesn't end the way they want. Hayden Hooker goes down with injury, but now it's Joe Milton at the helm. Extremely talented. They are hosting Virginia, the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, They're in the midst of a rebuild. Who do you see winning this one, David? It is the Joe Milton era in Tennessee. Michigan quarterbacks have been spreading like wildfire across college football. Milton's now at the helm of this Tennessee offense. Cade McNamara just made the switch to Iowa. And so it's going to be interesting, in my opinion, to see how those two are able to stack up in their own systems against um, J.J. McCarthy. Personally, you know, my statements before would back this up. I believe that Milton is is going to have a better season than the aforementioned Michigan starter in J.J. McCarthy. Despite despite losing stars like Headed Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Darnell Wright, many defensive pieces for a year ago, I still think that Tennessee is going to be okay for this home opener against Virginia. This Virginia program, they're fighting for a little bit more today, or on Saturday, after the tragedy that cut their season short last year. And it's one of those things where... I think the entire college football world wants to come out and they want to see Virginia perform. It doesn't mean that Virginia has to blow Tennessee out of the water, but, you know, fighting fighting for those guys that they lost and cut their season short, just going out and putting on a good performance, I think is just something the entire entire college football season wants to see. Monmouth transfer, transfer Tony Musket was recently named the starter just a couple days ago, so they will have a new look under center. I just don't think it's going to be enough to get it done against the Volunteers, especially at Rocky Top. I'm still pretty high on this Tennessee team. Um, as I said in a couple shows ago when we were doing our college football breakdown, so I, I really like Joe Milton. I really want to see what he has here, and I think they're able to take care of Virginia. 
Yeah, Tennessee's losing a lot of pieces, as you said. But they just match up way too well against this Virginia team to lose. Just too much talent on the Tennessee offense. Joe Milton, I think, will struggle. He's not going to struggle so bad to lose the game, but I think there's going to be some pains there because I think he's just a bit too inconsistent. He has all the talent in the world, but can he put it all together? That's why I think this is really good for Tennessee to get a team like UVA who's not all too good on defense. Now here, Tony Elliott definitely on the hot seat this year coming over from Clemson. And personally, I think by end of the year, he's going to be gone because I just don't see too much improvement from Virginia this year. I do think Tony Musket will surprise us a bit. I think he's going to be good coming out of FCS. Usually when you see these FCS transfers, you don't think much of them, but then they go and light up the stat sheet. So I don't know if that'll happen in like a slow-paced Virginia offense. Like, because, you know, Clemson's offense the past couple of years when they had Tony Elliott was not real good. So I just think that's transferred over to UVA. And as you said, playing for those guys they lost last year, I think they're going to come out inspired. They may keep it close for a half, but I think Tennessee pulls away and gets the win. Yeah, I'm going Tennessee here as well. Um, Joe Milton, honestly, I saw him come in a couple times last year, and I've seen him play before, and I honestly think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've seen in a minute, um, just from an arm strength standpoint. Now, if he can get his mind right and figure out, like, you know, where to, like, when the right time to pull the trigger is, I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. But he just has to figure out, because he will throw some just dumbfounded throws, and you're like, why? But I also think this Saturday is where you're going to see Tennessee open up the playbook almost a little bit, because you're supposed to beat Virginia. Uh, Like, I know Virginia's a good football team, but Tennessee's supposed to beat them. So I would say you're going to see them open up the playbook a little bit and let allow Joe Milton to make those mistakes. And I think we're going to see a lot of airing the ball out um, and, you know, off the offensive scheme for Tennessee, you know, receivers just tend to get open. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, but I'm going with Tennessee. Yeah, I think this, this was a very uh, deliberate scheduling from Tennessee. This is a very vulnerable team. I feel like if this was maybe, I don't know, uh, NC State, maybe just a more competitive ACC team, I think you'd have real concern about this Tennessee team dropping week one. I am not sold on Joe Milton. I agree with what Ryan said. He can make every throw, but he's not shown that he can consistently make every throw where, you know, he might hit you on a 50-yard post route on the money, but then he can't throw a slant over the middle accurately. So there's just times with Joe Milton, it's it's not everything you want. And then in an offense like this, like Hayden Hooker was so accurate in this offense last year, I think they're going to miss that. I think there's just times they're not going to connect as much as they were last year. And then the offensive line got worse, and that was a big part last year. You know, Hayden Hooker was able to have time and throw the ball back there. I think Joe Milton's going to be under a little bit of pressure. I think we're going to see not – the same numbers as like Anthony Richardson, but a similar experience where there's high highs and low lows and you're just kind of stuck in between at the end of the day where you can't rely on either version of that quarterback to be there consistently. I think Tennessee wins this game because Virginia is really bad. Like They're going to be probably the worst team in the ACC, but I think there's going to be some reckoning to happen from this Tennessee team. I, I think this is one of those week one scores that they might win like 40-7 to seven and people are like, oh, they're fine with Joe Milton, but then week two I think they could lose, but I that's a clean sweep for Tennessee so I want to be sure, because uh, I want to you know keep these, keep these games right. David, you have Utah, Michigan, Tennessee. Ryan, you have Florida, Michigan, Tennessee. Riley, you have Utah, ECU, Tennessee, and then I have Utah, Michigan, and Tennessee. Does that sound right? I believe so. For everyone? Yes. Yep. Okay. Now, jumping into 
what I find maybe the most intriguing game on Saturday, mm. the def- the team who made the national championship last year wasn't very competitive in that game. You know, throw up the fourth quarters when you're down 56 to 7. But number <laughs> 17, TCU hosting the new look, prime led Colorado. What is it? Buffaloes? Is that there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buffaloes. Buffaloes. Yep. So, you know, first, first game ever with. Deion Sanders, as head coach, he brings in lots of talent. Whole new roster, basically. He's looking to turn this program around. Does he do it in week one, David? You know, Deion Sanders, he's bringing primetime to Colorado. Boulder is going to be bumping this year. You've got so many transfers that have come in. Deion's son is going to be their starting quarterback this year. Kent State head coach Sean Lewis will now run the offense for Colorado how are they going to fare in the first game against TCU? I don't think as well as many think. This team has an over-under win total on the year of 3.5 games in 2023. I think they're going to surpass that. But, you know, this isn't a team that I think we're going to see immediately make a flip from 1-11 to 11-1. While TCU is without Max Duggan, they're without their two leading running backs, they're without Quentin Johnston, and Tay Barber, as I mean, the whole receiving core is gone. I, I'm, I'm running down the list here, but I still think that TCU is going to be different. Many people forget that Chandler Morris was the week one starter at quarterback for TCU before an injury sidelined him, leading to Duggan getting that starting role, and his performance allowed him to keep it. JoJo Earl from Alabama, J.P. Richardson from Oklahoma State, Jack Beck from LSU, and Alabama transfer running back Trey Sanders have all moved in. It's a lot of big names, and I know that, Lucas, you and I have had some conversations about you know, how much the transfer portal can really affect the team chemistry. It's going to be growing pains for TCU here early, but I don't think it's going to be enough to allow Colorado to sneak in and take this victory away. TCU is a 20.5-point favorite. I don't think they cover that mark, but I do think they pick up the pick up the win against TC or TCU picks up the win against Colorado excuse me this one was a choice of what I want in my heart and what I think is going to happen in my head and before sports wrap today I was hyping up Colorado it's coach prime it's time to go Travis Hunter thinks he's winning Heisman Willie I don't think so do I think Colorado wins this game I also don't think so TCU we forget last year that they were really really good and I think we're just discounting them too much this year. We just think they're going to go back to being this perennial 6-6 six and six team, barely making a bowl. I think TCU, especially with the transfers you just mentioned a second ago coming in, they're starting to build a really great program with Sonny Dykes over there. I think they can be Big 12 contenders this year. And I think for many years to come, they could just continue this momentum. Do I think Colorado will be a lot better than last year? Absolutely. But I think TCU is going to take this one. You brought up a good point with Chandler Morris. Back a couple years ago, he would be, I believe he beat Oklahoma. So Chandler Morris, he could show, he could do the same things Max Duggan can. He might not have the clutch gene Max Duggan has, but definitely the talent's still there. And I think TCU will squeak out this win. And uh, game day should have went there this week instead of to Charlotte. Oh, I I agree. As much as I like that game day's in Charlotte, it's pretty cool. TCU, Colorado, and to me, is more enticing, like you were saying, Lucas. Uh, but yeah, no, I think... Uh, I got TCU just winning this game because they're coming off a big year last year, obviously, with the national championship and everything. And as much as faith as I have in Deion Sanders in Colorado and all these transfers, and it's just hard to 
get that many people in a building and get them all focused on one goal, one mindset, heading into a team that just is fresh off a national championship run. You know, you're not going to, and you're going to TCU Stadium, right? So you're you're not you're not going to win week one if you're Colorado. You're not going to go from one eleven to eleven and one like Katz was saying, or David. I don't know why I said Katz. Um, <laughs> so I, I just think I think personally TCU is going to win, but Colorado will make it close. You know, there's there's this thing called a championship hangover, and uh, you know you look at this TCU team, and you know Chandler Chandler Morris seems okay, but he, he won the job. Over Max Duggan, and then Max Duggan, Max Duggan became a Heisman candidate. Uh, I, I don't think either of those quarterbacks in camp looked like Heisman candidates. I don't think Chandler Morris is going to be a Heisman candidate this year. So I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to take a step down at quarterback this year. I think the roster overall is not as talented, especially on the offensive end. They had so much talent. Quentin Johnson, first-round pick, uh, loaded running back room, not as loaded this year. And defensively, they added a lot of transfers. But like I said before, those transfers seem to gel week six, week seven, early weeks. They tend to struggle. And I'm looking at this absolutely loaded, talented Colorado roster. I'm looking at the Sanders brothers. I'm looking at Hunter saying he's going to be Heisman winner. I love the spunk. He had he had two he had four touchdowns last year as as a defensive player. He had 18 receptions for 190 yards and four touchdowns as a defensive player. And I just look at this team and coach Prime and he just gets these guys going. He's the ultimate motivator. I don't think it's going to—I think they're going to be close to that four-win total. I think the wheels will fall off, but a lot like how Florida came out with a lot of energy. This is college football, baby. Teams come out firing. They want to run through a wall for their new hired coach. I think Colorado comes out and knocks off ranked TCU, starts the prime era with a bang, and then they tail off a little bit when things get more realistic. But week one, people are going to be on the moon for Colorado. I bet they're going to be ranked after this week. I got Colorado beating TCU. That's a Warren bomb, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. Do you know that 2.5% of all bets placed on a national champion this year is Colorado? That's crazy. That's actually nuts. Like, it's why like it, that's it's like fourth or fifth on the list of all teams in college football. It's it's hilarious. How no, look, I understand. Like the the grind of the season, I think will hit these guys, and then that's when it'll start to weigh on them. Like, oh, we really aren't ready in year one. But this is a talented. Like this is a roster that's agree. good enough to be ranked. They're going to come out hot week one. They're come out firing. They're going to be fresh, all healthy. I I think they come out and punch this TCU team in the mouth. And I think Coach Prime is. At the head of college football landscape after week one, uh, I just I just I can see it now, and I'm 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 gonna ride with it. Uh, but now, jumping into David's favorite team, the Ohio State Buckeyes traveling on the road to face the Indiana Hoosiers, a Big Ten matchup week one. Do you got your Buckeyes pulling this one out? Kyle McCord is here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a new quarterback at the starting position for Ohio State, and it is yet again another talented slinger behind that strong offensive line. It's the second year under Jim Knowles with the defense, as they're expected to be even better than last year. Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Mbuka, they're all ready for crazy seasons. This Indiana team is very young and very inexperienced, and I think it is going to show on Saturday. Ohio State has had tough openers the last two years. If you throw it back to 2021, 
They went to Minnesota and they struggled against a crappy P- or a uh, scrappy, excuse me, PJ Flex squad in 2021. And then it was a big defensive battle in the shoe last year against Notre Dame. Personally, I don't think that Ohio State is going to show those two struggles that they did. Um, at at least in the beginning of the last two seasons. I think that Indiana is a team that they're going to be able to take advantage of. They're 30.5-point favorites coming into this game this weekend. And I think the best possible scenario for Ohio State is if you want to keep Kyle McCord out there to build up his offense all four quarters, I love that idea. But at the same time, if we do see backup Devin Brown out there to start the second half or sometime in the fourth quarter, I still think that is a good scenario for Ohio State. It's showing you know they're in a good spot to pull out a good victory, and then Ohio State fans get to see what Devin Brown has in a real-game scenario. So take it, Ohio State, here. I really I like the line on this game, about 30 points. I could see it being just under. I could see Indiana covering, but I don't think they pick up a win. Wouldn't this be a fun upset if Indiana were to pull it off? Not going to happen. Ohio State far too talented to lose to the Hoosiers, but I am really interested to see how the offense looks this year. I think... You know, all the time we think Ohio State's just going to be able to retool, retool, retool. But losing a talent like C.J. Stroud hurts. And we're just not sure how Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is going to look. Whoever is going to be the starter for long terms this year. Of course, week one, it's Kyle McCord. But I just really want to see week one. This is going to be a great tune-up game for Ohio State. They're going to be able to pull away. They're probably going to win by a lot. And I just I think that this Ohio State team, they're going to be Big Ten contenders once again. Uh, of course, I was talking to David earlier. He's not backing his boys. Said they might get two L's. That'd be a shame. He did. And I think he didn't think they're going to make past Penn State this year. I I don't know if Penn we will. State, honestly, Penn State at home. I don't I don't think y'all realize how much I like this Penn State team. Mm-hmm. I like this this Penn State team is oh, scary. We'll get to that in yeah. two picks. And yeah, so I think Ohio State wins it. But I do think Indiana will get better as this year goes on. Of course, a new quarterback, Taven Jackson, transferred from Tennessee, brother of a guy we all remember from basketball season, Trace Jackson Davis. So I definitely think his athleticism is going to be something Indiana hasn't seen since you know Michael Penix left. For the Hoosiers, so I think they'll get better as the season goes on. But Ohio State pulls this one out pretty easily. Yeah, I got Ohio State winning this one. Um, it's pretty, you know, self-explanatory. They're favored by thirty points. Um, and you know, I was thinking about their team and who's returning and everything. And all I can think about in that offense is Marvin Harrison and how awesome he's about to be and how the season's going to... I mean, personally, he could be the number one pick in the NFL draft if it weren't for Caleb Williams. And so uh, I was thinking, I didn't even know who the quarterback was for Ohio State coming into this year. Saw Kyle McCord, I'm like, it doesn't even matter who's throwing to him. You know, so uh, I think, you know, obviously Buckeyes win. I think if we're betting against the spread, that's a little bit more interesting. I think maybe you can go Indiana there. But Ohio State all the way. Yeah, I'm... You know, this is one of those games that I think Ohio State is going to have a little bit of a, just a few weeks where they're not the typical Ohio State. So I think they're a little bit vulnerable because, you know, like we said, Cal McCord is this presumed starter. But I don't think it'd be shocking if we saw a little bit of Devin Brown. I think uh, I believe Ryan Day has said you can expect to see him in a few snaps in this game. And I don't usually love when teams do that, but supposedly it was a really close battle all throughout training camp they really didn't know who they were going to go with and now Kyle McCord is that guy I don't think it really matters because of how good the receiving core is for this unit I mean it's absolutely ridiculous but just one stat kind of just came up to me and I just couldn't look past it I really did want to pick this as the upset like they're going into Indiana they have a new quarterback if things got off rocky to start maybe they just can't find a way to score but with that offense and with this stat 
You know what? How many games Indiana has won in Big Ten play since 2021? I do not. Two and sixteen. They're mm. two and sixteen in their own conference since twenty. It's twenty twenty three. That's two seasons. You won a game a season. That's. And I'm sorry, but Ohio State has been beating up at the bottom of this conference for years. I don't think that stops. I think Ohio State takes care of business in Indiana. It's what happens when you lose a quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, which great transition. The number ten Washington Huskies led. By said quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. is hosting the Boise State. Is it Mustangs, right? What is the Boise State? Uh, Broncos. 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 The Boise State Broncos, one of the premier group of five. Well, no, they're actually Power Five now. I forgot about that. That's Big 12 versus Pac 12, the Dead Conference. <laughs> the Dead Conference. <laughs> so with the, the Pac 4? Yeah, Pac. <laughs> I think Pac 12 and Mountain West are going to merge. And yeah. still name it the Pac-12. Oh, they'll find a way, but it'll still be the dead conference in my eyes. But <laughs> Michael Penix, he, he's looking to have a historical year. He led the country in passing last year, returns two 1,000-yard receivers. Who wins this one? This matchup marks the 10-year anniversary of the reopening of Husky Stadium following major renovations. On August 31st of 2013, Washington beat Boise State 38-6. to Boise State is 5-1 all-time in games broadcasted by ABC, and its lone loss came in 2019 in the Las Vegas Bowl against who else but Washington. It's been a long time since those 10 years on August 31st, but the outcome is going to be the same. Washington begins the year as its highest rank on the AP Top 25 since 2018. They bring back quarterback Michael Penix Jr., and arguably one of the most dynamic offenses in the country, preseason All-American wide receiver Rome Odunze, is that how you say it? Yeah. Romo Dunze and a boatload of skilled position stars. This was just one of those teams that when you watched last year, you could just you could feel they were bubbling over with, with just explosive talent. But Boise State, I mean, they're no pushover, especially for a season opener. The Broncos are the preseason favorites to win the Mountain West Conference, and they bring back a dynamic dual threat in quarterback Taylor Green, as well as workhorse running back George Halani. So it's one of those that I think Boise State is still going to put up a pretty good fight in this game. I don't think that this is a pushover for Washington, but I think we're going to see some of those, some of that explosive offense from the Huskies, and I think it's going to be way too much for Boise State. Give me Washington. This is the year for Washington to make the playoffs. This has got to be, This is one of the best teams we've seen out of Washington since they made the playoffs last time with Jake Browning all the way back in 2016. This Huskies team could just light up the field, up and down. I think Romadunze, as you say, or Rodunze, excuse me, uh, he's going to put up a lot. Jalen McMillan's going to put up a lot. And, of course, Michael Penix, he may be a Heisman contender this year. He might be able to pull it out, especially because, you know, voter, uh, they get tired of voting the same person all the time, so it might not be Caleb Williams again. I don't think a dead conference quarterback can win it, though. Like <laughs> well, the rule. top two, <laughs> Penix and Williams, are both from that conference. <laughs> I think you got to look in uh, Austin, Texas, for who's going to win. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, anyway, back to Washington. I think... Davis says it's going to be close. I don't think it'll be that close. I think the Huskies are going to put up a statement win over this Broncos team. And this Broncos team may be able to win the Mountain West, but this is not the early 2000s, mid-2000s Boise State team that could go beat the world and make New Year's Six Bowls. They're not them anymore. And I think I saw somebody, I think it was on TikTok, took Boise about through my phone to that one. <laughs> so I think watched them run away with this one. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Boise State and uh, 
before this, you know, we started the show and everything, trying to find something. Because this, in my head, going into it, was like, this is going to be my upset game. And I was looking at it, I was trying to find something that I really liked about Boise State. Other than the fact that they're favored to win the Mountain West, I don't really, like, love them to beat Washington. Washington is just too good. Michael Penix led college football in passing last year. I think, um, you know, he has a chance to do the same this year. But I think, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Washington Again, or Washington, just like everyone else. Yeah, just like earlier, how I was saying, some of the weaker teams. It seems like these schedulings are not an accident. Where you got like Tennessee pulling in uh, Virginia Week One. That's that's just one of those games. You kind of you, when you schedule the game, you're like, okay, we we need that Week One just buffer week where we don't really have to play our best ball and still win. This is the kind of game that instills confidence in me for a team. Boise State's not a fun team to play week one. Any good group of five schools is just not a school you want to schedule week one of a season. But I just think this Washington team is going to come to play. You have the best quarterback in the country, in my opinion, uh, returning two 1,000-yard receivers. He's one of 14 returning starters. The defense only got better from a season ago. This is a loaded Washington team. I think they just overwhelm this Boise State team with the amount of talent they have on the offensive end. I think Washington might blow out this Boise team, but I think they definitely win. I'm very glad you're on the Michael Penix hype train. Oh, I love Michael Penix, dude. I've, I've been I've been there since since 2021 or, or 2020 or whenever it was that he had that a crazy winning play against Penn State to dive across the goal line. Yeah, and he's just one of those. I, I don't think he's a Heisman winner. Just. I, it sucks, but I think it's a popularity contest, and I don't think Penix is that name mm-hmm. in the national stage. But just like watch this guy for he's one so game, fun. and he's one of the most entertaining college quarterbacks you can find out there. But now, got to speed up a little. This clock is catching up to us real quick. We're flying through this. We have one, two, three, four, five to go, man. Uh, so we got to speed it up. But number seven, Penn State hosting West Virginia. Who do you got, David? Give me Penn State here. This is the best team in the Big Ten, and I don't think that there's a question in my mind about it. Drew Alar has looked really good through fall camp, according to James Franklin, and unlike Billy Napier <laughs> with Graham Mertz, he has a little bit to back it up, saying that Alar didn't turn over the ball until either the 13th or 14th practice of the year. Most fun matchup of the night will be the Mountaineer front line as West Virginia brings back all five starters from a year ago against one of the best defensive lines in the nation. It's going to be a great one to watch. I still think that Penn State wins that battle, and ultimately they're able to handle West Virginia. Yeah, I agree. Penn State's going to be able to pull away here in this one. Yeah, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen both are just going to be they might both go for a thousand this year. I think they're both that good. Uh, Neil Brown might be the hottest seat in the country right now. I think if they lose two or three to start the year, I think he's out and this is going to be one on Give Me Penn State. Yeah, I have to go Penn State as well. I had the same I had the same stat on Drew Alar that David was talking about. He hasn't committed a turnover in 14 practices. They seem to really happy when talking about him and um you know it's it's really hard to not commit a turnover for 14 straight practices out there you know i I, people like quarterbacks go into training camp for the nfl and within the first practice there's like two or three interceptions you know so i think also as well another name to be watching is keandre lambert smith he had a little bit of a limited role for penn state last year but apparently he's supposed to be having a much bigger role. He solidified his his spot as the number one wide receiver in this offense, and they're going to be moving him around a lot. I think after this Sunday, they're going to be talking about him. Everyone's going to be talking about him being, you know, one of the better wide receivers on that team. 
And obviously, you know, Penn State's defense, there's no, there's not much to say other than they're awesome. You know, they're, you, they're always going to come back, and Penn State's always been known for their defense. So I got Penn State. Yeah, uh, Penn State is a very loaded roster, but there is some cause for concern. You brought up one aspect. West Virginia has one of the best offensive lines in the country. I think they're going to have success. again, Even this, though it's a very good Penn State offense, I think they're going to get a little overwhelmed at that front line. I think you could see West Virginia just comfortable on the offensive end, maybe being able to run the ball comfortably and then protect their quarterback. And then the other thing is, recently, the uh, Penn State's number one offensive lineman recruit from 2021, the leader of that offensive line, Lendon Tegwall, had to abruptly end his career. Uh, it was a medical retirement. He announced it via social media on Wednesday night. He's no longer playing football anymore. A very sad story. Uh, was slated to be a starter on this roster, so now they're moving him up. Uh, they're moving J.B. Nelson up into the starting lineup of that offensive line. So just a little things that... In a talented roster, when you look at the offensive lines or just in the trenches, that's where it's cause for concern. Can this West Virginia team maybe get some pressure against Aller? And then on the other end, can West Virginia protect and run the ball? I think that would be the case. I think it might be a little sketchier than a lot of Penn State fans would like to admit. I think this is a good Penn State team, but I do think there's a chance that they struggle a bit against West Virginia. At the end of the day, I still have Penn State winning this one, though. Uh, But now moving on. South Carolina versus number 21, UNC. UNC going to, or no, this is the... Is that Bank of America? It's at, yeah, yep. it's the neutral site. Uh, so who do you got in this one? You guys know I love my storylines, so bear with me here with this one because this is a fun one. Okay. Let's throw it back to December 30th of 2021. Duke Mayo Bowl served as a battleground for cross-state rivals with USC pulling off an unexpected upset by a larger amount than most would have expected, 38 to 21. UNC came into that game almost two years ago as a 12.5-point favorite over the Gamecocks. Flash forward to now. Tar Heels are coming off a 9-5 and season. 6-6 six and six was where they were back in 2021, coming off a 9-5 and season with four of their five losses coming in a losing streak at the end of the year. They enter Bank of America Stadium Saturday night as a 2.5-point favorite over the Gamecocks. This UNC team is hungry, guys. They feel like they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country with Jake, Drake May. They want revenge for that loss in 2021, and they want to prove to the college football world that they can live up to the hype that Drake May can be, that Heisman contender. It's too bad none of that's going to come true on Saturday. There's too many questions surrounding this UNC roster for me to feel comfortable taking them in this game. USC has slowly improved their roster since that meeting in 2021, and I feel really confident that Spencer Rattler is going to put together a very solid season for the Gamecocks. There's offensive weapons surrounding him this year. just feels like every position has gotten a slight upgrade. Give me the Cox in this one. I'm feeling confident in him. The Rattler show is getting renewed for another season. He's going to play just as well as we saw him play at the end of last year. I'm also going with the Gamecocks in this one, not because the Tar Heels are going to be bad on offense. I think Drake Mays is good as advertised. I just think this UNC defense stinks. I don't think they're any good at all. And I think the Gamecocks are going to win this one a lot more handily than a lot of us think. Yeah, I think this game is determined by whether or not South Carolina can run the ball. They've lost their number one running back. They have their running back right now is Dakarion Joyner, who a couple of years ago when App State played him, Dakarion Joyner actually took snaps at quarterback. He's always been their backup quarterback. He put on a bunch of weight this year. He's actually their number one running back this this year. He's played wide receiver, quarterback, running back. He's played it all. You know, he's one of those Taysom Hill type guys, and he's going to be their their starting back. So I think if South Carolina can run the ball. 
they're going to be able to pass the ball just fine. Antoine Wells is one of those players that has been able to show a lot of star power for them, and he's going to step into a great role. Every game that they've had last year, that was a big game, like the Tennessee game that they won. Antoine Wells has shown up, and he's he's proven that he's going to come into this number one wide receiver role ready, and he's going to show the country that he's going to be one of the better wide receivers in the country. Uh, so i got to go with South Carolina here as long as – the defense can cover. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I got USC. Yeah, I just, you look at this matchup, and UNC comes in ranked 21. They have Drake May, presumably a first round draft next uh, spring. And I just look at this UNC team, and it screams the last year that Sam Howell was there, where, yes, you have the talented quarterback, and that's usually the hardest thing to get. But if you look at this roster around him, it is not very good. They have a they have some good running backs. I think they'll be able to score the ball fine, but they're going to have to work harder than they did last year to score. I think they have slightly worse weapons for Drake May than they did last year. It's another year of teams being able to watch film of Drake May. He struggled down the stretch of last year just a little bit more. He, it just wasn't coming as easy for him. And then you talked about it, Ryan. This defense is horrendous. They were 122nd in opponent EPA per rush and 123rd in EPA per pass last season. One of the worst units in the league or in the entire college football last year. And then they lost all six of their secondary players to the transfer portal. Brand new secondary, an underperforming front seven. I don't like this defense at all. I think they scream smoke and mirrors. I think UNC is a bad team. I think they get trounced by the Gamecocks in week one. But now, in what is probably the matchup of the... Wow, we have no time. Uh, we have three minutes. <laughs> so we have three games, three minutes. I think we're going to... I'm just going to go ahead and say, are we all saying App State beats Gardner-Webb? Yes. Yep. They're not going to get on. caught. Hold on. They're not no, getting no. caught in the Roll web. Ears. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, no, they're gonna, not got, Ryan, you want to say it? I know you're calling say the game. Ryan. We're not going to get caught in the web. <laughs> there it is. The running Bulldogs are not going to take down Mountaineers. Okay, two games. South Carolina, or sorry, Florida State, LSU. It's in, uh, or it's neutral site, but it's, we talked it's about New it's Orleans. in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you got? Um, you know, I have a, bo- a bunch of metrics in front of me and stats and names and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, no analyst on the planet can make a decision on who's going to win this game. I mean, it doesn't matter what website or what article or what show you're watching. You're going to get a mixed bag here. So I'm going to go with my gut. It's going to be Jalen Daniels against Travis Hunter. The biggest thing to watch is going to be that LSU, LSU offensive line versus the FSU defensive front. The winner of that will win this game. I think LSU's offensive line is going to be able to do it. I think they get revenge. And I'm going to go with my gut feeling here. Go with Louisiana State. Yeah, I agree. Definitely going to be a fun one. Jordan Travis versus Jaden Daniels out there at the quarterback battle. I think LSU, they're still thinking about last year, and I think this time they pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State is one of those teams that they got a lot of transfers this year. They're looking really good. They looked they had a really good year last year, but they're looking even better this year. And it's a team that Urban Meyer said is just a year away from a championship. So they're right there on the cusp, and I think Florida State is winning. I think Florida State is an incredibly talented team, and I love the roster. I think they can compete in the ACC, but I think the SEC is a different beast. I just look at that defense, and they were middle of the pack rushing last against rushing teams last year, and that's what this FSU team likes to do. I think they got better at that. I think Harold Perkins is going to take a leap this year. He's going to be one of the best pass rushers in the country. And then, like you said, I think it is about can Florida State stop the LSU rushing attack. I don't think they can. I think LSU just does enough. I think Jaden McDaniels 
is just a very competent quarterback that will just figure out how to beat each defense he plays. I have number five LSU, especially in a game that even though it's not a home game, they'll have the advantage in crowd. I think LSU wins week one. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, but now last game on the slate. Duke versus number nine Clemson. Who do you got? It's annoying we don't have more time to talk about this one because this honestly could be one of the best games to watch this weekend and put it on your radar because this will be an entertaining one. Duke came out of nowhere last year. They ended a 13-game ACC losing streak to post a 9-4 record in the program's first bowl win since 2018. This Blue Devil team is good, guys. Quarterback Riley Leonard. You know, he had a great sophomore campaign. I think he's going to go back out and he's going to be able to do it again. It's just, you know, how does this Clemson offense stack up this year? You've got a brand new offensive coordinator. You know, Dabo Sweeney made one of the biggest moves in the entire offseason and got Garrett Riley from TCU for Cade Klubnick and running back Will Shipley. They've got a new playbook. I think it's a close one. Duke really could cover the spread here. It's only at 13 points. But I think it's one that Clemson is going to be able to pick up. It is a primetime game on Monday night at Duke. So, you know, there could be some fireworks here, but I'm going Clemson. If you want a big upset week one, look no further than this game because the Duke Blue Devils are going to knock off the Clemson Tigers week one. As you said, at home, Riley Leonard, very great quarterback. Mike Elko, very underrated coach. Don't got too much time to talk about it, but give me Duke in this one. Yeah, all four games Duke lost us last year was only by one. We're only by one score, and Clemson's only 20, 12 and a half point favorites. Duke lost to UNC and Pitt last year by a combined five points. They lost to Pitt by two, UNC by three. So I think Duke is one of the, one of those teams that is on the up and up. And I'm going to go with Duke upsetting Clemson week one. Duke was the fourth best scoring offense in the ACC last year. They're the third-best rushing offense, and they're the fourth-best rushing defense. They did a great job against the run. They only allowed 3.7 yards per carry, and then they rushed for almost 5 yards per carry. This Clemson team last year, when the quarterbacks weren't there, they would rely on Will Shipley in that running game when things got tough. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Duke team. I think Kubnick is going to have the ball in his hands in this game, and I don't know if he's ready. Just week one, that's a lot on this guy. I just like this Duke team. I think they have a lot of offensive potential. Uh, second year of Riley, it's in Durham. I have the Blue Devils knocking off the Tigers in week one. So that does it for our Pick'em segment. Unfortunately, we couldn't couldn't go in more depth, but we got it all out. Did everyone pick Duke there? Did we? I no, picked Clemson. Pick Clemson. Oh, okay, okay. Although watching a Duke upset would be just as good as me getting this pick correct. Yeah. I was about to say if Duke, if everyone picked Duke, but I would change my pick. Yeah, we just gifted David a point though. That's a tough <laughs> one, but uh, so yeah, that, that that that's unfortunate. It happens sometimes. You just love an underdog, and then one guy picks the picks the favorite, and he gets a free point from it. So. We know. You know you like to go chalk. That's why you won last year. That is, so, okay. oh my goodness, that is so <laughs> far from the truth. All right, well, that is so far from the You oh. can't defend yourself. The show's over. Oh, uh, my so. goodness. <laughs> let's, let's do Come shout on, outs. man. <laughs> uh, shout out to my friends and family. Got a couple people listening from Charlotte and in Boone this afternoon. O'Reilly and I got a couple mutuals that have been tuning into the show, so we appreciate you hanging with us through uh, for what y'all would probably think is a lot of jargon, but a lot of fun today on our first Pick'em show. My shout-out is going to go to Virginia wide receiver Titus Ivey. While he is not starting for Virginia at Tennessee, he is a freshman on the roster for my hometown high school of Cox Mill, so shout-out to him. Hope you have fun at Rocky Top.
shout out to my mama listening today from Salisbury, North Carolina. And my sports shout out is going to be UMass right tackle Johnny Hazard from Westerland High School. And you saw that big upset they pulled off. Well, maybe an upset, but great win for UMass last Saturday. Yeah, shout out to family, friends, anyone that's listening out there. I appreciate you. And uh, shout out to uh, shout out to David for always going chalk. I mean, I'm that's, getting bullied that's a great, over that's here. A great shout out. That's a oh fantastic shout out. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up what out. we did last week. Last try year. To, <laughs> I'm trying to shout out my grandma, and you're you're blocking. Do you know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to defend Luke, myself. Lucas's here. grandma I'm has been shouted. Lucas's grandma. grandma has been shouted out every single show. Show some respect, David. Grandma, I'm Lucas sorry, David doesn't respect you. Shout out to you, grandma. I know David, the chalk man over there, doesn't doesn't respect you, but I do, and so does Riley. I met I met Lucas's grandma once. He did in, at, at breakfast. It yeah. was crazy. It was a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, shout out you, Grandma. Shout out all my friends and family listening. And shout out to Ryan and Hunter. They'll be on the call for me for Garner Webb this weekend. We got that going. So be sure to tune in at 90.5 WASU at 3.30. Actually at 1 to watch a pregame show. And then at 3.30 again to watch the game. You are listening to Sports Wrap. I am Lucas Warren, David Kassmeyer, or Mr. Chalk, Ryan me. Hendricks, and Riley Carlson. It's all love, David. And we will send you back to your regularly scheduled music. See ya.